Coming up, we've got a huge podcast for you, massive lineup. It's the A-League's offseason, yet there are so many subplots, storylines, drama happening off the field. No better place to start than the Milos Ninkovic situation with Sydney FC, the Wanderers, what's going on there, what's happened, what is going to happen. We're going to break it all down, talk a bit about Milos and his future in the A-League or potentially in retirement. Who knows what's going on there? We're going to break that all down. I'm going to be joined in this podcast by FPF writers Antonis Pagonis and Cody Ajeda. Then, after that, we're going to talk a little bit about Lewis Nanny signing for the Melbourne Victory. And uh, that deal looks like it's done. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes next season with Tony Popovich and the squad that they're building there. Got a little bit of a chat about that. We're also going to talk in the same section about the new A-League season schedule. And that's the A-League men and the extended A-League women season as well. Interesting uh, that that was dropped along with with the A-League men and the extension of the season. What does it mean um, for the future of the women's game here in Australia? And and I think the overwhelming rhetoric coming out of the podcast was it's is very positive. Maybe a little bit too late, but anyway, I'll... Uh, I'll save that for later when when we discuss it. And then we're going to finish by talking a little bit about the Australia Cup. Got to get in the habit of calling it, of course, Australia Cup, not FA Cup. But anyway, round of 32 draw, some interesting ties, some all A-League ties, some NPL A-League ties that are interesting as well. We're going to break it all down. We've got a jam-packed podcast here. I think this one timed in at just under two hours as well. So... Yeah, look, um, we post the timestamps on our podcast, so if you're not really the type of person that wants to sit down and listen to three people talk about Australian football for two hours, which, you know, to an extent, I don't really blame you um, because it can be exhausting. So look, if you're not really that type of person, then by all means, check out the description under this podcast. You'll have a look, you'll see we've got timestamps on there. And you can just pick out the bits that you want to listen to as well. So hopefully we are catering to your every need. Anyway, this is a massive podcast. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, so we're taping this podcast at about, what is that, 8.40 Eastern Time, 8.10 where I am. Yes, because I'm in SA, and screw you if you live in the Eastern Seaboard. Anyway, um, it's a Thursday night, our usual Thursday night pod. I am here with Cody Ajada and Antonis Pagonis, FPF Riders. Boys, how are we? Feeling good today? Feeling good. Brilliant. Good to be here. Great. Jesus. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's get into it. We got uh, we got a bit to get through actually here. There's um oddly for for an off season of of the of the A leagues at the moment, and we're like two weeks after the Socceroos are qualified. But there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. I have to say, um just just these little stories here and there, and little bits of news popping up in the off season. So uh, a lot to a lot to cover. But we're gonna start. We we are a little bit late to this. I have to be honest. Um, but I guess we had our we had our centenary pod last week, which was kind of a special occasion for us. So 
we are going to do this. Now, we're going to talk a bit about Milos Ninkovic, who I believe nine days ago actually departed Sydney FC. So again, yeah, we are a little bit late to this, but uh, to be fair, I don't think it's the worst thing because now we can kind of sit back and, and have a look at the situation. My first thing is what the fuck has happened um, here with Milos Ninkovic and, and Sydney FC. It's like, it's basically just this really toxic breakup, which has basically just happened on the space of, you know, over the space of two days. Um, and, you know, just, wow. Like you're trying to piece this together in terms of, was it, did he have a fallout with Steve Corriger? Is it the club going in a different direction? But then I don't really know if it's the club going in a different direction because they did offer him that. Well, it's reported that they offered him that deal to basically keep playing, but then move into a move into a basically development role afterwards as a part of the part of the staff there. But um, Antonis, what's your read into this? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the interview he had um, with, I think it was like Serbian organization, Serbian TV, and some of the quotes that came out of it. But basically, he was told... This is, this is good. I didn't say this. Yeah, go oh, on. Yeah, all right. So do you want me to read the quotes out? Absolutely. Just, it? just Let's just go through it, yeah. It's a bit of a thread. So he goes, the contract in question that I would have, had, I would have signed for the next season as a player was conditioned with me getting my passport. Australian citizenship, that is. I am a permanent resident of Australia. Therefore, I still have no Australian passport. This means I am formally a foreigner in the league. The club virtually sees this as a prerequisite that if I get the passport before the season commencement, I will get the contract. And if not, I will get some position in the club. I do respect the decision, but I also couldn't sign for something that I cannot influence. So I thought that such an approach to the whole situation was not appropriate. And he keeps talking about how um, his agent said it was very unlikely he was going to get his Australian passport in three months, which basically would end his career. And he felt like, well, you either want me or you don't want me. And you're showing that you really don't want me unless I get this passport. And he felt kind of disrespected. And I'll give you the The, final quote. Yeah, I'll Mm. give you the final quote because he was actually asked, um, about who he's talking to right now. This is paraphrased by Sky Blue Views on Twitter, who went through the whole Serbian interview and transcribed it. So go check them out. They've Jeez, done some he, great he, must be, he must be really upset. Yeah, he went and this is paraphrased. He goes on to say that he regrets the post. Remember the infamous Instagram video? Some fans cancelled memberships. He believed that he deserved a better farewell admits that Western Sydney Wanderers are in talks with him, as well as one other New South Wales club. But he says the Western Sydney Wanderers offer is the best so far. Yeah, that, that would be an NPL club, I think, if, if all the um, talks to be believed. Uh, who? So, yeah, there were a couple of NPL clubs mentioned as basically... I do remember yeah. that. But yeah. yeah, it's a huge news to come out today. And you know what? I kind of agree with him. I, I agree like with him. For me, yeah, yeah, you go, you go. yeah, yeah. Because I, I always think this is a big issue when you start bringing in stuff to do with a player that is not football related into their football negotiations. Then this is where things get and problems occur for me. So I understand Sydney FC's reasoning. I think, oh, we're not sure. There's also something else here. So Emil Stinkovic is a visa player still, is he not? Yes. If he was to, yeah. So. 
I feel like there's something else here in the fact that if, you know, they're, they're trying to rebuild the squad, which I'll touch on in a minute, they're, they've been constantly on about that, this rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. I don't really see it at the moment. Anyway, um, but <laughs> the thing about obviously getting a passport um, is, you know, he's not going to be a visa player anymore and then that's going to free up a spot. And if you think if you're, you've just missed the finals like Sydney FC have, then you're going to go out of your way to, you know, try and create spots to bring in those foreign players who have been so successful for them in the past. But, I mean, it seems, Cody, when when I was trying to piece this together, it couldn't... I mean, it's possible there was a fallout with Corriger. Maybe, you know, and maybe Corriger took the club side and then Ninkovic is like, oh, okay, you know, what's happened? You've been my coach for two years and, you know, now you're throwing me under the bus. Maybe there's something like that going on. But, you know, it can't be that... Like I said before, it can't be that the club's just going away from... A different direction and they just don't want him anymore because they did want him so it has to be he's been disgusted by that offer and then now factoring in the passport stuff it's it's kind of almost become personal now about his you know his kind of maybe heritage and his kind of his status as an australian and then serbian and then all this kind of off-field stuff which for me just shouldn't come into the come onto you know the negotiating table just before i go into that one thing about that interview you were talking about, um, Antonis, when they did it, from memory, they had a Wanderers jersey in the background while they did that interview, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know. I've just mm-hmm. seen the quotes, but for that's very interesting. No, I, saw, I saw an image, and I reckon there was a Wanderers fan or something on Twitter <laughs> who who um, like shared it and said, oh, you know, hopefully there's something in the fact that there's a Wanderers, Wanderers jersey in the middle. Um, but, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the Wanderers part in a minute because personally, I just think, you know, from their point um, of view, why, why would you, why would you make the signing? But yeah, yeah. as you say. I can understand where Sydney FC is coming from because mm-hmm. like you said, if they're trying to rebuild their squad and they want as many visa spots they can get, they might have an international lined up as well. Ninkovic is at a stage in his career where he's not going to be a starting player anymore. His role at Sydney FC will most likely be coming off the bench and they probably don't want to waste a visa spot on someone that's going to hold that role. I can understand where Sydney FC is coming from. But... Ninkovic isn't getting any younger. They could have seen this coming from a mile away. And if this was the plan they had in the first place, this is something that should have been sorted out well in advance. He's been on a he's been on a slow decline. He's been on a slow decline anyway. Look, I'm sorry. You know, the thing about Ninkovic is if you look at Ninkovic's A League career, his career at Sydney FC, he had a slow start first season, and which was really only the highlight was getting that winner. Um, in the in the derby in 2015, I believe that was one nil, and then really after that, then he peaked in the Arnold years. That's when he peaked. He was he was absolutely fantastic in the in those two teams. Uh, two teams, three teams. No, no, the two years, 16, 17, and then 17, 18 with Arnold. Terrific, and then still continued that first season under Corriga, and then since basically the nineteen twenty season, he's just been on a slow decline. You you can't you can't argue against it. I don't think. Many people really are now. I think we saw that last season. He's kind of getting into that territory, that stage of his career where it's he can't play full games anymore and it's either start and give me 60 or come off the bench and give me a good 30. So... Can I in reality, just, probably yeah. still... Yeah, yeah, Antonis. Antonis Cody someone. Just, yeah. Um, I agree. He's 37. In December, he's going to be 38. He's not the Milos Ninkovic he used to be, but... Remember, he's probably the best, well, not highest stature player. That's Del Piero, obviously, but probably the best ever player. 
And when you see someone like Alex Wilkinson get renewed and given the captainship, rebuild? Is that a rebuild? It's not for me. But as you said, like, the only thing you're keeping him back is he doesn't have a passport. But making that offer and telling him it's black or white, you're either an Australian and you play on or you're not and you retire is very transactional. Well, I don't get it either. Yeah. I just don't understand it's why the offer has to be structured. It has to be. This is why. But this is why. Exactly. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm saying that this has to be linked to something to do with the visa spots or something. Because why would you, why can't you just offer him you know, I'd just be like, why does the passport even have to come into it? Why can't you just go, well, you know. But that's what I mean. There's yeah. a good yeah, like that, that's, have I don't something get it. going on in the background that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. From but, what, yeah, just going to... from what he said, though, like it's a very awful situation to put your best player into, leaving your best player's playing career hanging into some bureaucrat's hands. You know, it's a very bad look, isn't it? Mm. And you feel quite disrespected as the player. So, and Sydney, as we said, has been a great football club for a while, but they're no good at rebuilds. They don't do them well. It's not something they're used to doing. And you can see they're not handling that well whatsoever. And this is, has turned very ugly. Well, you look at what happened on the other side of Sydney for the Wanderers. They had that sort of similar issue. Popovich left. They struggled to gain any consistency under a new manager. Even moving to Bankwest, it was like, yeah, we're going to move to a new stadium. We're going to build a whole new squad. Things didn't work out. The next year, they're rebuilding again, and they've been doing that every single yeah, I mean, year since. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know if it really compares, though, with Sydney, because at the end of that, I mean, Corriga did win the title the first year he was there. Now... I'm not saying it's the same yeah. situation, but I'm saying the decline they're on now, they've missed out on finals, and they're like, yeah, we're going to rebuild the squad, but mm. we're hitting July. You look... At Wanderers, their rebuilds already started. They've brought in ten players, but is it? You see, have done. Yeah, we've seen that before. We've seen this that this before. is what this is what I'm saying. You know, well, we're going to get to the Wanderers in a minute, but I just think that they're falling into the exact same problems that they have in in recent years. They just can't learn. That really, it's like ridiculous. Anyway, but the <laughs> just on Sydney. Um, first of all, this Ninkovic situation. The last such situation I could think like this where. It was kind of like this real outcry and, and outpour kind of on social media about a player leaving and stuff. It was probably the when the Wanderers post Troisi and Ziggy Gordon, James Troisi and Ziggy Gordon in like 2020. There was that whole thing around, you know, they just quit on their clubs. You know, they had these long-term deals. Gordon like signed an extension a month before he left <laughs> with the Mariners, and then he just and then he just ripped it up and left. Like so that yeah, we haven't had one of these in a while. So it's kind of it's kind of good to have the drama back again, to be honest. But yeah. uh, then <laughs> It's like, funny yeah. though. It's mm. funny because now it's the club quitting on its player. It's the yeah. other way around, isn't well, it? That was the thing as well. It was good to mention that because like uh, that video, the Instagram video, like, but Ninkovic's demeanor, the way he's taught, like his tone, his body language, you're like, wow, like this is it's disgust. This is bad. You know, so, something is shit has gone down here. And look, one thing on that video as well, as much as Sydney FC may have let Ninkovic down, that video, in my opinion, well and truly out of line. I don't know. At the end of the day, Sydney FC hadn't announced anything. They even came out the next day and said, we're still in negotiation talks. That was so it awkward. It looked like kind of a, just a cheap negotiation, negotiation <laughs> tactic to try and go, hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, he did feel... Like, I'll like... take my side <laughs> off of a new contract. Yeah. I just I think it's a bit disrespectful to the club from him from his side too. 
Well, yeah, but he could argue that you you just spat in my face with those with that contract offer. So it, it seems like there's some eye for an eye going on. That, it's a two way yeah. street. It's a two way yeah. street. Disrespect works both ways. Hundred percent. But look, both parties clearly aren't innocent in this situation. It's just it's a shame because he's not just one of Sydney FC's probably one of, if not their greatest player ever, but one of the best we've seen in the league. So to see it end like this, it's 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 sad for any fan in the league, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel for the person I take pity on now. I think it's David Warner. He's the he's the Sydney FC media manager, and um, yeah, I I feel sorry for him through that whole through that whole twelve hours of Ninkovich, people, Ninkovich even, um, uploading the video and then and then having to release a statement like that. He would it was at a bizarre time as well. He, he released it at like eleven o'clock night. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's almost like he's trying to like he's just trying to like hide it from the club. It's like, look, man, other people are gonna see this and share it. Yeah, you it know? wasn't during the ninth five was it <laughs> but um yeah and even aside from the guy you just mentioned christian even um jude dolan i'm pretty sure his name is he's mm. one of the senior FC social media guys and he's kind of the front face he's a big yeah. personality and yeah the, and he stepped down from his role jd yeah well, because of that yeah well. mm. but um then adam santo as well it's only what a couple of weeks into his new gig as a ceo and well yeah the massive PR crisis on their hands Mm, funny you should mention Adam Santo because then I was thinking, is there something to do with that? The fact that he's just kind of taken over only you know a month ago is was he maybe bring something to the table that Ninkovic didn't like? Is he trying to take the club in a direction? He you know, I was trying to piece that together, but then you saw quite so Adam Santo saying no, we wanted to keep Ninkovic. So I don't think, yeah, clearly this passport thing that that he was talking about in that in that interview is is the reason why he yeah. Is the funny thing you mentioned how desperate to keep him because at the end of the day, if you're that desperate to keep a hold of a player, you're not going to rest it in the balance of, oh, is he going to get Australian citizenship in three months, which is already hard enough. But they weren't, and they also they shouldn't be desperate to keep him. But Mm. what you should be desperate in doing is showing some respect to someone that's done so much for your club. And if you really don't want him, you know, you just have to be honest. You know, you have to go and say, you know what? Like, this has been a great few years, but this is where we see you. And for whatever the situation is, at least at the end of the day, you can sit down and at worst agree to disagree, but at least they've been honest to your face. And obviously that hasn't happened for at least from what Ninko is saying. But you're, you know, you guys mentioned they're desperate to keep him, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at Ninkovic now. I'm like, why? Like exactly, no, yeah. You know, I'm not. Look, I'm not. Obviously, the way I'm talking about him now makes it seem like I'm completely disregarding his quality. I'm absolutely not. There were times in Ninkovic where it's like this guy's just got the ball on a string, and it's you know you, you you're not going to get the ball off this guy in a game. He, he's just completely dictating the game and things like that. But he just doesn't do that anymore. And if I'm Sydney, <laughs> like I'm I'm talking about this rebuild all the time. Yet I'm so desperate to keep this 37 year old guy who really hasn't been. At the at the level that he once was for like two years now, so why don't I change direction and actually rebuild <laughs> and try and develop either develop someone from within or maybe I go shopping around the league. I don't know, and I find some other younger number ten who's going to come into that role and and take the reins over. That for me, that's what I'll be looking at. Yeah, that's what they should be doing, in my opinion. But when has Sydney FC ever done that? You know, that's the question. And also, as I said, for me, I wouldn't keep him either. But also, 
you can't just say, sorry, mate, you have to retire because your passport didn't come on time. <laughs> That's <laughs> very disingenuous, isn't it? If you don't want him, tell him. Tell him, sit down and say, oh, we're so sorry, but we've got the respect to tell you to your face. We, don't, we would love you to be involved with the under 11s, 12s, whatever he wants to coach, but we just can't fit you in the squad anymore. We just can't. But they haven't had the courtesy to do that to one of their all-time greats from his quotes, allegedly, you know? We don't know what's happened behind closed doors, but it sounds like this is why we're here, where we are today. I think it's a big problem with A-League clubs in general is that you need to have a vision. Some A-League clubs do have a vision, but when it comes to... There can't be room for sentiment sometimes with this. You know, it's... we Football, cutthroat industry, simple as that. So if... You had a player who's been so dedicated to you for so many years and he's been such a top-class performer. At the end of the day, if it's time for this guy to move on and you truly believe that, you need to have that sit down and have that honest conversation like Antonis is talking about. And I just think when it comes to these high-status players, I think A-League clubs fail to deal with the negotiations in the right way because that emotion... They bring that emotion into the negotiations and Ninkovic clearly has brought them the, the love that he has for Sydney and has felt that that's been basically just, it just hasn't been reciprocated. So it's interesting because at the end, um, Sydney FC had another player in that sort of situation in Bobo that got sorted before the end of the season. They were able to give him a proper farewell. You could tell those conversations were had mm. leading into the end of the season. And it looks like that hasn't happened with Ninkovic. I don't know if they were discussing it and they just kind of hit a wall and maybe stalled it. But um, these are things... You said there's no room for sentiment in the in football, but there is room for respect. And a player like Ninkovic, you need a contract... You need his contract situation sorted out before the season finishes. You need to know what's happening if he's coming back next year or not because the worst thing that's happened with all of this is Sydney FC season's finished. Their fans don't know if he's coming back or not. His contract is about to expire. Suddenly there's, oh, yep, yeah, I feel disrespected by Sydney FC's offer. Now the passport issues come about. As a Sydney FC fan, if I, if I was a Sydney FC fan, I'd feel very, very let down by the club. More for the fact that one of our greatest ever players, we didn't give, get to give a proper send-off. If they had this sorted even two or three weeks before the season like they did with Bobble, that final match, send them both off properly, no hard feelings done. But the way this has happened now, it's it's sad. But... Yeah, Antonis, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just the disrespect and letting him walk without a farewell game. It's you've opened the door for something even more disastrous to happen, which we'll get into a bit later. Yeah, so... Like, you you touched on it there around having contracts all and stuff like that. We always mention, and the A-League is funny, and it's because we don't have relegation that, oh... You know, it's like Brisbane, for example, last year or Perth last year, uh, last season. Okay, you know, the players have got to play for contracts with these last few games of the season and stuff like that. But really, if you're a well-functioned A-League club and you've got a proper vision, contracts are sorted. You know, you know what you're doing with your players by mid-season. You know, or at least by three-quarters away of the season, you know so-and-so, okay, we're going to let him go. We're going to re-sign him or we're already in talks to re-sign this guy anyway. You know, so-and-so, that stuff should already be sorted. The, the thing, if I'm a Sydney FC fan, which concerns me so much, is it seems like Sydney have literally only started their rebuild one month ago when, to be honest, you know, someone at that club had to realize that this kind of season was coming 
you know, it actually was. They, you can talk all you want about, you know, oh, they won the title in the first year on the Corrigan and stuff like that. Now, last year, as in 2020, 2020-21 season, you could tell that the football, it just, it wasn't, the, the football they were playing under Graham Arnold, which was very good. That was a far cry from it. Uh it was, it was. And Tony says, because he's got his Graham Arnold, he's got his Graham Arnold thing. Look, don't, at the end of the day, my thing with the Graham Arnold Sydney thing is that, look, I think, you know, I think many coaches in the league would have done very well with that team because it was just a very stacked team. But at the end of the day, you have to give the guy props. You know, they were a very, very strong side. But, yeah, um, a very strong side, but I'm going to draw the line to playing fantastically. They were by far and away the best side, <laughs> but there's a difference between that and playing well. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, regardless of if that team played well or not, this team under Koryga was it was really bad to watch by the end. Honestly, the by the season before last and last season, like way too slow, so predictable. Koryga constantly running back with that four-two-two-two setup, which was like, and once you took Luke Bratton out of there because obviously injury, which is unfortunate. And I'd imagine this rebuild would have to be very much centered on him coming back and and being the anchor in midfield again. But it's just way too predictable. And you know, for me, if you're if you're seriously talking rebuild, then you should have already started a rebuild, not mm-hmm. you know, not one month ago. And can I just add on that? It's another thing that really stuffed them up was COVID and the bargaining rights um, that was up in the air with the last year of Fox, because if you remember years ago, Sydney was basically the only side that had its majority of players on multiple year contracts when the, the rest of the sides had three quarters of the teams on the year contracts. And I think this COVID saga really threw that out the window for them. And they're not really used to this situation of having to get ahead of the game and sign those players up and have those negotiations. Another thing with the rebuild is you need to be, like you said, have a system knowing who do you want to come in, who are you keeping? Bratton goes down and they've got, they sign Amini. Amini's not a quick fix. He hasn't played regular football in a year or two. And you could see but, that. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting because when Joel King left to Denmark, I remember reading some stuff where Sydney were like, almost like, you know, we didn't want to let him go sort of thing. And it's almost like, yeah, but like, you you got to be prepared for losing young players as well. You know, we're A-League club, <laughs> you know. Be realistic. Not, you have to be realistic. You have to be realistic. You know, you're going to lose young players at some point. You have to be prepared when the transfer window rolls around that on any given day of this window, I could receive a very good offer for a Joel King or, you know, whoever. And then at the same point, because they didn't have that succession planning in place, we saw a situation like Callum Talbot where... He already signed for Melbourne City before he actually then took over from Joel King in the starting eleven, and now they've got no left back because they've also let go of Michael Zillow. So <laughs> now they're fucked. Can I, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can know? I also go back to that superiority complex that oh we didn't want him going? You're in the like you said you're in the A league. Be realistic. This is the food chain, and you're right at the bottom. You need yeah. to be prepared for that. You need to have the next player always ready to go because you're the high and mighty Sydney FC. It doesn't matter like. To the clubs overseas, you're nothing. You know, you need to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not just that. Did um, Sydney FC get a fee for Joel King as well? Yeah. It was mid season. 
Yeah. That's something that they should be happy with. That should be something that they're looking for. Well, they're not used to that. Of course, they're not used to it, but that's, yeah. that's where the issue is. They, uh, should be, yeah. they should be preparing for it. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about the Wanderers piece of the Ninkovic saga soon and then we'll talk a bit more of the wonders but this sydney rebuild at the moment so and i've just used air quotes obviously you can't see that because it's an audio recording but yeah air quotes um rebuild um uh, <laughs> players who have left sydney so far right and take note of the age of these players and this is meant to be a rebuild bahaja warland vandersag talbot Newanoff, and even someone like jake sarpsford out of the out of the npl yeah. team who was someone who was kind of on the border you know might have been in one of the match day squads um also like um jaden kuharski or i think it's pronounced kuharski ian's ian pulzinski our, our polish polish australian writer he'll uh, he'll correct me on that um who we actually did an interview you can check that out um on frontpagefootball.net anyway just plug that um <laughs> all these players are young and it's like well I'm scratching my head here like, all right, so rebuild, but get rid of the young players. And then, <laughs> but then, but then you're like, okay, all right, well then let's actually have a look what they've actually done in terms of retaining players. Okay, so they've re-signed Wilkinson. Looks like LaFondre is going to stick around and Bratton will come back from injury. Okay, so maybe it's something here where they got Redmayne, Wilkinson, Bratton, LaFondre in the spine of that team. We're going to keep the spine you got like Anthony Casera still around as well. You still got Ryan Grant. Okay. And then we're going to add all these new pieces around it. And then that's how we're going to kind of rebuild the team. But I don't know. Like now you're, now you're relying on Redman's got to improve after last year and uh, after last season. And look, we can, you know, we can get all mystified by the gray wiggle stuff as, <laughs> you know, as much as possible. The reality is he was shit last year for Sydney. So you know, sorry, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Wilkinson, he's not getting any younger. And to be honest... Can I know, have a word yeah. about him quickly? He's yeah. 37. Before the season starts, he'll be 38. Yeah. Uh, I know, like, in the rebuild, you can't just clean sweep everyone and go young straight away. You have to keep some players. But for me, he was he didn't just look a step off. He looked a few steps off last season from his very impressive best. And not only has he been kept on, he is the captain. You know, that he's been made captain. And I don't know if you saw the post. I think I posted something in the chat about it. They went proclaiming, oh, Wilker's going to lead us into the next um, the next journey mm. or the next door. How are you getting the old generation to lead the new generation? Makes no sense. He's going to be 38. Yeah, he's going to play to his 41, man. Don't worry. It's, yeah, it's I don't all good. Know. I was just, he's going to play I, the next I'm, three years. I lost for words. It's that air quotes rebuild, then, like you said. <laughs> but then Bratton, okay. We obviously know Luke Bratton's probably the best holding midfielder in the league. When and the best number six in the league when he's fit, he honestly, you know, you, you can't, you can't deny. He, once you take him out of that team, there's a lack of composure, there's an inability to control a game in the opposition's half, and but then at the same time, you're thinking, well, he's just come off. Correct me if I'm wrong, an ACL injury. So, ACL, Bratton. Yeah. This is bad. Was it ACL? Yeah, bad it was journalism. ACL. Didn't do, didn't do the research. No. ACL? It was ACL, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm all good. So <laughs> ACL injury, you know, you don't just come back from an ACL injury and don't let's not kid ourselves either. He's he's approaching, you know, he's getting the wrong, he's the wrong side of 25, right? So 
it's not like he's going to come back in and it's like, well, he might, he might, but you're, you know, taking a big chance in the fact that he's going to come back. He's going to anchor the midfield. No worries. We're going to be controlling games like we were one season ago. And it's, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a risk for me. At the end of the, um, one thing is all you got to consider just to help him kind of come back into the side. He'll have Patrick Yazbek that can cover when he's probably not fully fit. Yazbek was probably one of, if not their best young players last don't, season. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Sorry to cut you off. But, and Patrick, you're right. He was, he was terrific when he come in, but it's not like Bratton's coming back in and he's got Josh Berlante next to him. Like he did a few years ago, or he's got Brandon O'Neill or, you know, it's, it's, you know, and now it's, we just spoke about Wilkinson. He, he might have to do more covering off the ball and there's going to be a bit more transitioning games where he's going to have to run back the other way. So, I don't know. It's I not think the considering same. Yeah, yeah. that as well, something that Sydney FC fans have probably been crying for for a long time as well, but that could really do with playing with a midfield three. Add a bit of support in there. You've got someone like Cassettes who could be one of the best number 10s in the comp if you play him in his natural position. He was playing mm-hmm. as kind of a wide playmaker a lot of last season. And in my opinion, he was Sydney FC's best player, that guy. I never realized how good he was until we've taken a close eye on him last year. Look, I don't think, look, I, I think, I think, look, he's not like, how Andy Harper describes him where it's like, you know, basically this guy's like fucking Maradona. It's like, look, he's not, look, he's good. Look, he, he does some really great stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, mate, can you just, just calm down? Just calm down. All right. See, I don't know. I do kind of rate him highly. I do think. No, no, look, no, no, I rate him, but it's also like, it's not like this guy's scoring like 10 to 15 goals a year. Like the way he talks about him, you think it's like, look, this isn't like prime Ninkovic. It's like. It's not prime Ninkovic, of course. No, no, no. The the one thing about Caceres, well, I think this is why I agree with you, Cody. You have to start putting him playing higher at the pitch in his position because his ability to basically just take players out of the game by driving past players and just opening up gaps like that. And you think of, you know, LaFondra, LaFondra's goal scoring obviously went down last year, but then you're also thinking, well, he just, maybe he didn't have the creative outlets around him either. And then particularly... I don't even know. Maybe with Sydney, they, they obviously favor this two-striker thing. They, they've been going for that for a long time. And then with LaFondra and Bahaja last season, they've got two guys who are going to run in behind all the time. But could they even go to one striker? And maybe they play with a really traditional number 10 in behind. And then that could be Caceres. They need to, I think. So it's not just yeah. about pushing him higher. Towards the end of the season, he was playing in that kind of the wide role that they have when Nikovic yeah. was playing in his, in his yeah. prime. But um, it's more about moving him to the centre where he can have that greater influence on the game. And like you said before, if they can bring the players in to have some more quality options around him, you're looking good. In terms of behind him, you have Bratton. You'll need a new box-to-box. Aside from Yazbek, the only other centimetre I can think of off the top of my head is Paolo Retro if he resigns. No disrespect to him. I mean, re- Retro... With the workhorse, yeah. but Retro I don't is... think he's a starter. Nah, Retro is always going to be a squad player. Yeah. Can I just come in here with this? As we've talked about, they've got the two sitting midfielders, the two wide creative players and the two strikers. When did that start at Sydney? Under Graham Arnold. And he had the players, he had the squad to do that, didn't he? Well, right now, those walls are falling down slowly years after. Suddenly, one of your defensive mids is doing his ACL. One of your attacking mids. Well, Corrigan, this is the thing about Corrigan. Yeah. And this is why when people were, look, I don't know if it ever happens where people start linking the Socceroos job, but honestly, it's laughable. I'm sorry. Absolutely. This, this guy, don't get me wrong. He did a great job. He did a great job in that first year, but you could also say 
this happens sometimes when you are taking over from a manager who's been really successful for a long time, you kind of, the squad stays with the habits of the previous manager. So then it keeps performing at a top level and, and you just seem, you seem to be the guy, you know, at the forefront of it. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, maybe, maybe he's improved someone like an Anthony Caceres. You could say that Caceres has got better than obviously since he was, you know, two years ago, three years ago. But the thing about Corrigan is that he's never shown any, you know, bravery to change the system. He's never, you know, what, mm, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe Joel King, Joel King, you can give him credit for that was a young player. He helped develop. Okay. But he's just run it back with very similar squads every mm-hmm. year. You know, they brought back Bobo. They brought back LaFondre. You, you know, it's like, if, if I'm a Sydney fan and on match day one next year, next season, we're playing a 4-2-2-2 again with two sitting midfielders, two wide tens and two strikers. I'm honestly going to get my head and smash it against the table yeah. over and over again. That's where I was going because it's a very safe system. As we say right now, they're slow. Those players are not there anymore. And the whole concept under Arnie was we're going to control the game. We're going to let that individual brilliance and Ninkovic bowl, that Lafondre finishing, win it for us. That's not there anymore. And they've got very high standards at Sydney FC. And I think we can all agree how it ended this year on the pitch was very toxic. It was getting very ugly. Now they're moving into a new ground. Is that what you're going to go in there with? When Bratton comes in and he's a bit slow coming into his full fitness after his ACL, how long are you going to go with that? How long are you going to go not scoring many goals or conceding goals in your ground before you pull the trigger? You know, how much leash does Korika have? Because for me, like you could argue, I know he's achieved a lot, but as you said, a lot was like picking up from Arnie. What has he actually done? How long does he have? Because they've seen in their city what it's like to waste a new stadium with the Wanderers. Are they going to do the same thing? How long? Yeah, no, I think, I don't think he's in. I don't think he's in that t- sort of sack territory or anything like that because I think A League clubs all really appreciate. You know, if a manager delivers them a trophy, then you know that it's just likely that they're just going to buy them more time and they're going to stick with through them through hard times. But the thing is, you know, if I can just say something on that. Though, yeah, yeah. I don't mind A League clubs backing their coach, sticking with them through hard times. Cork has missed out on finals on one season. Even last year where we said it wasn't great, they still made the grand final. They're still in the top two. What I was say, sorry, what I was going to say before, just on that, is that grand final felt like a like they got battered in that game by City. Like that was, I know they took the lead through Barbarossa's, but I remember watching that game and it was like, wow, they've just gone forward once and scored through Barbarossa's. And then since that goal went in, City just took over the game. They killed him. And you just felt by the end of it, it's like, okay, so there's a gap here between City and Sydney. And then they just haven't been the same since that game. But yeah, I just thought I'd touch on that. There was, there was that yeah. gap, but that was still better than everyone else in the competition at that stage still. That says more about the competition than them, though. That's what I felt. That's what I mean. Because yeah. um, they weren't great. They just lifted at the right time, in hmm. my eyes. Well, they went through a lot of that season where they were probably looking like, oh, we're going to make the six, or we're going to make the four. And then they just kind of sped off towards the end, got hmm. the two. I remember even being at that Sydney Adelaide semifinal. Adelaide gave him a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, what I was going to say with Corica, I don't mind them sticking through the hard time. They've come out this season. Yep, we'll give them a season. We rebuild. We, we rebuild. But if this happens next year, they come off to a slow start and they're looking once again, they're not going to make the six. Sydney FC is a big club. Sydney FC can't be in a position where they don't make finals two years in a row. You saw what happened with the Wanderers when they were at their height and now they're still struggling. Mm. Sydney FC 
shoot me for saying this, um, Wanderers fans, Sydney FC is a bigger club. Well, they are, they are. That's not even, I, I don't even think, uh, look, Wanderers, I'm sorry, you know, you you can't argue with that. They're fucking definitely a better, bigger club than you. <laughs> no, like you see now uh, with the whole Ninkovic situation, Sydney's a bit shell-shocked because fans are angry. You know what hurts more than anger? Apathy. And you start off a month or two, very quiet. You can't score. You're conceding. You're dropping goals in your new shiny ground. You've let your best ever player walk to your rivals. People will just start shrugging their shoulders. Well, let, let, be angry. Well, let's yeah, let's get into that then. So, Ninkovic, back to the whole point of point of the discussion. But um, Ninkovic to Wanderers. So here's my take, and it goes something along the lines of this. If I'm the Wanderers, why why would I sell the young players that I've sold? I mean, Keanu Backers is maybe not young, but he's 24. So, you know, he's but he's been developed. And then, you know, Philip, Philip Kankar as well being sold. Why would I sell some of these guys like I have and then go and use that money to buy a 37-year-old? You shouldn't. You shouldn't. But is this not what the Wanderers have been the last five, six, seven years? No, the Wanderers, is- have been, the Wanderers have been like this. Let's go sell 10 players and then I'm going to go and replace them with 10 players who we don't know how that we haven't done any scouting on how they're going to work, how they're going to fit in our system, how they're going to fit in our club environment, how they're going to react to the fans, the culture, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll just keep doing that each season and see if that works. Yeah, well, it's true to character, isn't it? So it's going to continue and they'll do it again. And honestly, it will be a shocking signing for on the pitch. And he will still have some moments of brilliance. Ninkovic is a fantastic player. Mm. I don't see how he fits in that team, but a player like that will have his moments. But off the pitch, off, off the pitch, the league needs oh, this. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I could not care less about the Wanderers on the pitch. All the best on there. But off the pitch, oh my God, this Sydney derby needs this. I know, I know. Like genuinely, if he goes, I'm at that first derby Allianz. I'll be there just for the storyline. Because that, Mm. We, the league needs this. I tell you, I tell you, if if um if that ha- yeah if that happens, I want like you see, I don't think it's happened because Paramount, but um, I want like a player cam on Ninkovic. I want like a coach's cam on Corriga. I want like these different cam cameras, and I can like watch both at once and just see like the different reactions during the game. And then and then if Ninkovic and Corriga like go up to each other during the game. Then I can see if there's like any beef, you know, what's going on there. Because, yeah, I just I just need to see that. But, Cody, the Wanderers, when are they going to learn? Honestly, I was saying this on podcasts, uh, on some of the other podcasts I was on, like during the season last season. I said it like constantly. It's like a broken record. You can't, you can't just turn over a squad year on year, take a stock take on a squad, and then think, hey, no worries. We just got this new shiny French player to... French players. We just got, you know, so-and-so, Oli Bazanic and and Cassini Yangi, and we got all these different guys. All right. Hey, Mark Rudin, go and chuck this together and see what you can do. I mean, guys, when are you going to learn that the squad turnover thing just doesn't work? So that's what dumbfounds me a bit about the Ninkovic transfer, because if you look outside a lot of those transfers, a lot of the players they've brought in are actually very, very highly rated young players. You've got... Um, well, you mentioned Paul Zach Sapsford. So they, they they poached they poached two youngsters from Sydney and Newenoff and uh, uh, Sapsford, yeah. And Simmons, um, another one that's been through their MPL side that mm. isn't getting a run in the first team. You brought Gabriel Kler in from Italy. I can't remember what club he was playing at. 
but he yeah, um, not fullback, young right back. Um, that's uh, Virtus Virtus um, Antella, um, Gabriel Clark. Yeah, yeah, I just couldn't remember the color off the top of my head. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nathaniel Blair from RPL Leichhardt, nineteen years old off the top of my head. Another one that's been very highly rated in MPL New South Wales. They look they look like they're building a squad for the future. How they put it together, I don't know. I'd like to think Rudin's had more of a say going, yep, these guys are going to fit my system. But then on top of that, you're going to go and bring in Milos Nikovic, who probably isn't going to add anything other than a bit of spice to the Sydney derby. And maybe like some shirt sure sales. Some shirt the, sales? <laughs> yeah, maybe some shirt sales. You've got Zanich, who I think... So would, the, red, the red and black block is increasingly losing numbers <laughs> year on year. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've brought in Bazanich. I think Bazanich could be a good signing if they keep him fit. Um, I don't know what happened at the end of the last season at the Mariners if he was. Yeah, that's that. That goes into the that A-Wall. goes into the A League the A League mystery departure archives. I want. <laughs> Fucking um, bizarre. And then Lawrence Thomas as well. Lawrence Thomas is a quality goalkeeper. We all remember him. So they've they in my opinion, their window so far has actually been quite excellent. Yeah, but yeah, but Cody, Cody, what I'm saying is we do this every year with the Wanderers, right? We look 100%. at the names, we look at the names and we go, oh, oh, they got Lawrence Thomas. Hey, that's not bad. Or hey, they got they got Gabriel Clare. And then we like talk ourselves into, hey, you know, this guy, this guy, you know, he played here, he did this, you know, Roman Amalfitano, hey, you know, played in MLS, then he played in France, you know, this guy, you know, he's been there and done that, this, that, and the other. And then it's like we get, we get to match day one. And first of all, it's like it's like the Alex Meyer situation, for example, where it's like, all right, well, this guy's like, you know, has he even, has he done like a preseason session at all? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's why does, they've done their business early. They'll be all, all be in before preseason. They're not going to have to. All right. All right. Now. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All but, right. Um, they, have, they have done their business early. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to say, I'm not here going to say it's going to work, but it does feel a bit more promising than recent season. But look, all right. Last year I'll well, give you the. Yeah, I'll give you the NPL stuff. They are, they have signed a lot more young players. That's true. But then the other and thing, and give it two or three years. Those players could be A league level players mm-hmm. and very good ones. Can I, uh, with, yeah, yeah. Mm. Just quickly with those, it's it's not like the Wanderers don't have like a state of the art facility, youth facility, and sit on a hotbed of football in Western Sydney. Shouldn't that be coming from you? Why do you need to go scouring? New South Wales to be picking them off from other clubs. It should not be this hard. Being well, West I saw, City I've, seen, I've been seeing, I've been seeing uh, Mark Natter being linked to like the Newcastle Jets as well. So there's things like that going on. Well, <laughs> you you're talking about yeah, we've got a hot better talent in Western Sydney. Why don't you look there? They've also re-signed Lopane Bonatig. I hope I pronounced that name correctly. And Jared Caluccio, three very very promising young players. Jared Caluccio already looks like he's going to be a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. So it's not just they're looking externally, they are looking internally as well. Why they need to look so much externally, I don't know why they do let some of these players like Aquilina and Mark Natter go. Mm. Then they get opportunities. Play them, play them, actually play them. Back them in a big moment. Don't just sub them on halfway through the game or play them, set them up to fail and then say, well, guys, we can't play these young players because they didn't do well in this game. You need to actually have a system and back them throughout. And then when your fourth manager in as many years leaves, you know, like someone new comes and there's no idea who these people are and the circle continues. Rudan has it now. Who knows who would have it in a couple of years? You know, well, this is, this is the thing. That, there's been nothing certain. This is what I mean. This is what I was just about to say. This. So all the young signings, great. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I agree with you, Cody. You look at guys like Sapsford, 
Neil Nolfur already did actually play a few A-League games and, and did well when he did. So these guys can definitely be ready-made A-League players in a season's time, season two season. But we know what the Wanderers are like. <laughs> you know, they've got no patience either. So if this starts off poorly and by mid-season they're out of the finals kind of picture, they're just going to sack Rudin and they're going to like get someone else in. You know, I don't know who they're going to get, but it's I can just see that. If it's going to go wrong, that's how it's going to go wrong. If it's going to go right, then maybe they're backward and, and they say, this is the project that we're, you know, this is what we're going to be doing and this is this is our vision for the future. Maybe, and I don't I don't know how to say his name. It's a really difficult name, so I'm going to call him JT. JT, who was the, uh, <laughs> who was the uh, CEO uh, of the Wanderers. Now he's left. And then you've also got Gavin Costello, who was, who was head of football there as well. Now he's left, I'm pretty sure, as well. So... Maybe some of these some of these key figures who Wanderers fans very you know have not been quiet about at all in their criticism of maybe with these guys leaving and and some other guys in those roles now maybe they are moving to a different vision but you know I'm gonna have to see it to believe it first. Mm-hmm. I just say, like I said, I'll just go back to the point that if, for example, things go sideways with through them, and you need to give them time because it won't work week uh, match day one you know this is a lot of moving parts you need to back the guy if he's the right guy i don't know but you need to back him because the minute he leaves all those positive signings become obsolete because then you bring someone in who may have never heard of these people Mm. i'll just go back to the ninkovic thing very quickly and i think even though on field it doesn't work like he should not be signing a 37 38 year old one thing you mentioned before that Sydney is obviously the bigger club. Sydney FC is the bigger club. I think this will be the first time in the history that the Wanderers will do some actual permanent damage to Sydney FC. And it's not on the pitch. It will hurt the, their soul, the club's soul. You know, it's this intangible thing that you, they've left the door open and you sneak in and you hit them where it hurts. You take their player and they mm. can't do anything about it. It's not, you don't take their second choice centre-back. You take their champion. You know, he made dreams come true in Sky Blue. He's won derbies for you. <laughs> you know, it's it hurts. I'm a I'm not a Sydney fan and I can feel how you it gotta, hurts. Can imagine you gotta, being in that building. you got to credit Simon Hill for what you just said there. Yeah, 100%. Dreams, dreams come true in Sky Blue. Yeah. So yeah. this will hurt and I think that's what the signing is there for and imagine imagine just imagine if the wanderers give him a non-off-field role instead and is working in the community with the wanderers what an absolute disaster and that doesn't matter if he's with them on the pitch for one season the damage is done get and me not repair it get, get me to the game when ninkovic is coaching the wanderers under 12s against sydney fc under 12s <laughs> get me down there now <laughs> i want to see it but i think that's why that signing's being made like, it's that, gonna be like Gonna be like the, the biggest under twelve junior junior game in uh, in Australia that that uh, weekend. But um, all right, uh, Cody, anything else to add to this this Sydney Western Sydney Wanderers Ninkovic discussion that's just, been going on for I reckon about fifty minutes now? <laughs> just going back to your point, saying this could really hurt the soul of the club. There's one player still off contract at the Wanderers that apparently Sydney FC do have interest in. And if Sydney FC do make that signing, I think that could hurt Wanderers just as much as, or maybe not just as much as what the Nikovic saga would, but it will definitely hit Wanderers where it hurts because it's someone that 
A lot of fans are screaming to say do it. This. Say it. Oh. Just say it. Who is it? Jack Rodwell. Watch suspense. Jack Rodwell. Jack Good player. Still yeah. contract. Good There's... player. One season though. I don't know. Yeah, has, he, season, has, he built, but... has he built that much of a connection with the Warriors fans? I don't know. And they made him trial. You remember when they signed? They made him trial first. So disrespectful. He, I know. He should have done the. <laughs> he should have done the Zlatan. I don't trial. <laughs> no, but you see on Twitter every time one is sitting there saying we're making an announcement everyone's saying announce Jack Rodwell announce Jack Rodwell I think but that's desperation if it's yeah. at Sydney FC it could sting your problem it's not going to sting as much as Nikovic yeah. but no, it yeah. could sting a little bit I just think that's because they have been so horrendous that the one shining light they're like oh please at least keep him but if you have a good side a player that was decent in a bad year is forgotten very quickly but yeah they would win off on the pitch, but off the pitch, you recover from Rodwell. You did not recover from that. Yeah, it would definitely. Um, Jesus Christ, the memes—they're just gonna blow up if that uh, if that happens. But uh, yeah, we we are gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about Lewis Nanny, reportedly close to signing with the Melbourne Victory. Okay, so Lewis Nanny. Apparently close to signing for the Melbourne victory. What are our thoughts? Just just going to straight away throw it to you. What are our thoughts? It's a good signing, stature-wise. He's played for Manchester United, so he's going to attract people. He is... Yeah, he, play, think, he played like for Manchester yeah. United in the previous century. But yeah. 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 Oh, it's still a thing, you know? It's people see Manchester United, their eyes light up. And he can still... He was only recently playing in the Serie A for Venezia. Mm. So... He can still play, but I don't know if he's going to. I don't know if they're going for their oh, victory. Obviously, wants to win, so they're going for a performer. But they're also hoping it attracts people. I don't know how many people he'll attract. He will probably get a few games of people who come out to see him. But I don't think he's a type of player that will give you a sustained crowd every week. Every week, someone's going to come and watch Nanny play. And also, storage storage is bigger. Uh, because of Liverpool's renaissance, so I'd probably agree. Um, and the other thing but, is... But probably, sorry, but sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Nani doesn't have the... You know, he, he'll be available for games. Anyway. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You hope. Don't jinx it. Um, and they probably... The other important thing about this is they probably lose Marco Rojas. And I don't know if you saw the rumors today. Yeah. To Colo Colo. Yeah, in Chile. Yeah. So I like that. Here's what looks like going to happen. So... Economide is obviously staying. He, he signed a big deal anyway when he signed started last year. Nanny comes in. Rojas is gone. So, obviously, Margiotta went. So, you know, just another one of those just shit foreign signings in the A-League. Um, new front three then of, I guess, unless they sign a striker, I guess it'll be D'Agostino, Economides, Nanny. What about Falami? Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting then. Because... I guess Falami. Well, this is this is interesting because Nanny comes in. You can't, you know, he's he's going to be the new marquee. You have to play him. So, doesn't mean economy just has to work for. It. I mean, we know what Popovich is like. Every player, you know, no one's no one's guaranteed a spot anyway. So, I don't know. Should, will we see Falami move to a central role? I don't think so. I think he was very good on the left last year. I think I'd keep him there. So. He's got Depending some options there. Nine years, you might even it might just be a thing of you see him in the big games. Then those mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. when you're on the bottom table table sides, no disrespect to these clubs, but when you go up against like your Perth Glories, um, MacArthur's. Hey, Jack hey, Boyle, 
Ruben, Ruben and his young NPL squad, they're coming. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually like what they're doing. I like what they're doing. Yeah. But a but question for you. What happened last season? That's all. <laughs> but um, uh, no, seriously, I think I think it's a great signing. I think um, Manny, it was only it was only start of last season where he was still playing very well in the MLS, which. Is we will discuss the MLS on a Cody. We discussed on a previous pod with him when we're talking about some Socceroos guys, and we said, look, the MLS is very much improving league. It's a good solid league. It's better than the A League, and it wasn't that long ago that he was performing very well in the MLS. So I don't think he's this guy. It's not like he's totally washed or anything like that. You know, he can he can come in. He'll be solid. They'll look for him to to score an assist from from a wide area, and they you know going forward they've got something good here. I think. Economides, the big question mark with him is always, can he stay fit? Can he get a consistent run of games? Brimmer, we had a discussion about Brimmer before, uh, about him potentially not being a worthy Johnny Warren medalist winner, but um, it looks like he's the number 10 for victory, and that's the direction they're going in there, and he obviously showed last season that he's very you know, he's very much good enough to play in that uh, position anyway. So, now it's a question of the Falami D'Agostino piece of this. You know, what what are they going to do with Flammy? Because this guy got a Socceroos call up last year, so he's not—he's not some bum. He had a shit season, you know. Flammy's a great player. I really don't think he should be losing his place in the squad. Hmm. But someone like Nani, the style of play of his as well—he's a very creative player. There wasn't really someone that was known for his pace, so the fact that he's going to be 36 in November shouldn't be something that we look at and go, "Oh yeah, he's not going to be the player he once was." He's still going to have that creative aspect. You look at his 2021. MLS season, mm. 10 goals, 7 assists. And the difference, Antonis, you mentioned Sturridge before. Sturridge had a very long period where he wasn't playing football at That's all. That's right, yep. You look, even Nani went back to Europe, played for Venezia, in and out of the squad a little bit. From memory, only played 10 games or something, and a lot of us on the bench. Joined halfway through as well. Yeah, yeah I think... Yeah. I think um, like warm in, mm. But 17% of minutes, probably struggled there. It's probably his wake-up call saying, Europe's not for me anymore. But yeah, I think sorry, Cody. I think, um, it's a bit of that. It's a bit of that. But also, if I'm reading correctly, Venetia were in a very precarious situation as it was, and he's joined mid-season, so it's a little bit of that. You know, no time to adjust to the team. Probably a bit of a weird move from him, to be honest. I probably would have just stayed in the MLS. Then you know, when the time came for something like this, then pursued the options from there if I wanted to go for one last adventure in Australia. But seems like. The APL's um, marquee list of 35 players has, has got its first um, victim. So there you go. Victim, can we call it? Uh, of Lewis Nanny. Yeah, question for you. If things start, they're not, they don't look great. And Victory have these high expectations now. I assume they're expecting to win the league mm. like they should be. Things well, are I've, got well. a, I've got a Popovich. I've got a Popovich kind of angle with this. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, my question here is. If things aren't going great and you've got Falami, who obviously showed he can play last year, that is this Popovich's call? Can he just say, you know what, I'm dropping our big, great marquee, which I'm sure he'd like to if he gets the chance and he's not performing. Does anyone else get a say in that if he's the APL's, if the APL's contributing to this or if the club has invested a big amount of money? Does Pop cop that? It's, it's something yeah. to look out for for me. Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting point. But I was just going to talk more with victory. 
obviously, look, they did a great job. That season, I think, although they did win silverware, so it's not like it was a transition season. They It was a successful season. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was more of a, okay, we're back as Melbourne victory like we were kind of season. Now, you're looking at the attack now that they've got with, you know, a Brimmer, like Jake Brimmer is now a serious player. You know, it's not like Jake Brimmer, he was at Perth Glory. He's a serious player, to take him seriously. And then you look at the midfield, still got Josh Berlante in there. Okay, defensively, they need to sort some things out. They lost Davidson, they lost Brandon Hamill, you know, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they, they signed George Timothée there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't say they lost Brandon Hamill with a straight face. But to be honest, Brandon Hamill, you know, he, he kind of under Popovich, he, he, season, I know under Popovich, he seems to get something out of him. So you know, it'll be interesting. But I think obviously Kalava's still, you know, obviously in terms of the victory fan engagement, he's obviously a great signing to have. But I don't know. I just add something he, there. He's keeping his is hundred percent. Um, they're they're being linked with Paul Lizzo, but mm. Kalava's got another year on his deal. I think it's, it was ridiculous that Popovich brought the guy over in the first place since he benched him in Xanthi for Izzo in the first place. So is he really going to keep an international player and bench him for Kito if the, Kito, Izzo if they sign him again? Mm. Like It just seems like such a waste of a spot if they just bench their cheerleader from the crowd and make him observe the season. So it's something that, yeah, I just don't see. And is, and is Paul point. Lizzo going to forget about the club who developed him and go and join Melbourne Victory? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he would. If um, you, yeah. <laughs> well, Noah Smith's there too. He's done the exact same thing, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, uh, can I just yeah. say that Melbourne Victory must be huge fans of the 2020 Adelaide United side. <laughs> they signed Noah Smith. They signed George Timotheo. It's And I think there's one more in this somewhere. Tommy Urich. I'm like... I don't know what you saw in that. Oh, Urich. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, we well, didn't even mention I've it. completely yeah. forgotten about Tom Urich. You know why? Because he fucking was non-existent in the second half of yes. freaking just the whole year last year. That's why but, yeah. I've forgotten about Tom Urich. So this is interesting. So we just mentioned like Brandon Hamill and stuff like that and him, you know, playing better under Popovich. So could Tommy Urich, who you'd assume now is, because obviously the reports were that he's unvaccinated and that was the reason why he wasn't playing with MacArthur. You'd assume he is vaccinated if... Victory of play, uh, victory of sign him. So, could we now see Cody a a rejuvenated Tom Urich under um, Popovich? No, yeah, I don't no, think so either. With it. And the main reason for that is D'Agostino showed last year what he can do when a coach puts faith in him. D'Agostino is going to be the number one this season. Tom Urich is going to be a bit part player. Mm. I'm not going to say Tom Urich is going to have a poor season. He could come off the bench and do something. Maybe win games late on when Victory needs just a target man. But D'Agostino should be the out-and-out number nine on that side, number one striker. Yep. I don't see Yurich hitting the heights that he did at Wanderers. Tommy yep. just needs a consistent game time, but he's just treating this as a merry-go-round. You know, he's jumping from club to club. For a guy that hasn't played yeah, he's, he's, football, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's so um, long. Sorry, he's, he, I just yeah. have to I have to get in the Jack Clisby joke. He, he's like, you know, he's just gone on the Jack Clisby journey. So Yeah, oh, he is. But like, for someone that hasn't played regularly since he went to Bulgaria and that feels like another lifetime ago you'd think he'd like to settle at a club that gives him some adequate play time and I think he had that in Adelaide not anymore and MacArthur obviously whatever happened happened and as Cody said I don't see him starting over D'Agostino anytime soon unless something goes tragically wrong there 
Well, he's so also, also be, he could also be a thing of he's worked under Popovich before. It could be a coach he feels comfortable under. But can Maybe. I just Popovich in his last season at the Wanderers did not really trust him on the big moments. Remember, he benched him a lot of big games. So I think this whole Popovich trusts him is a bit overplayed as well. Well, I think the re- obviously yeah. Popovich, yeah, there's the history there, but I don't know how much trust there is there. I just think there's a familiarity and Popovich likes being familiar players as we saw with Hamill and Spiranovic came out of retirement for him. Familiar player, Popovich. Popovich only likes familiar players. That's that's how he operates. You know, honestly, that that's kind of you know. Obviously, he will get some new guys that he hasn't worked before here and there, but he he will go with the guys who he's familiar with. That's that's how he operates. But my question is, looking at this squad, and you'd imagine, I don't think I think they're going to add some more stuff. I don't think yeah, it's, this is finalized sure. either. So, is it is it no excuse? Tony Popovich is still yet to win an A League championship. You know, as much as we. I've praised him in the past as much as we, some people have suggested either rightly or wrongly that he could be a Socceroos boss in the future. Matter of fact is he still has zero A-League championships to his name. And Steve Corriger has one. <laughs> so <laughs> from our discussion earlier. So and just for I don't Antonis, know. Is this, is this still, what's that? For Antonis, how many does Graham Arnold have as well? I prefer not to speak as another coach that wins trophies once said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, uh, <laughs> my question is: Is this is this no excuse territory? Is this he has to get over the hump next year? He has to win the championship when we through. I don't think so, to be honest with you. Because can anyone see? I don't want to get back on this horse, but can anyone see Graham Arnold with a Socceroos job after the World Cup? No, no I can't either. And off the top of my head, I don't see who they're going to hire. There's no candidate that is just screaming out I'm the next Socceroos coach unless Marcelo Bielsa wakes up one day and he's feeling rather Australian you know I just feel like they want someone that the league's developing the players are developing they want someone that understands the players who are the Australian coaches there's only one that is even close to that no, job. I'm just, uh, yeah 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 but I'm just talking more about yeah. just Popovich just Popovich now his 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 uh, career his legacy yeah, I don't think he needs it because I reckon he gets that job even without winning it to be honest with you no not not necessarily for the Socceroos job I'm just talking about when we when we when we just talk in general about you know the great A-League managers and Ernie Merricks and you know the all these types of guys is it is it weird to have Popovich in that conversation when okay yeah he's won a couple premierships but Champions League he won it yeah that's Champions League I'm just talking about A-League here I'm just talking about A-League he has won a championship the Champions League, but that's something that no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just talking about successful A League managers. I'm not talking that that's a different conversation if you're talking about just successful Australian managers. And for sure, if you bring in the Champions League thing, that's that's a huge deal, and that would probably put him ahead of someone like an Ernie Merrick, honestly. I know that's a big statement, but that's just such a big achievement. So, but he, it's just weird that you know, all of this he's been he has been successful, kind of obviously, apart from the two stints overseas. But he has been successful, really, at every Australian club he's been at. Because the Wanderers, although it fizzled out by the end, obviously it was a major success when you take it in its entirety. Perth was a success. He just, again, couldn't get over the hump in the final in 2019. And on so far... On penalties. And then so far, I mean... But then you look at last season. Successful because they won the trophy and then they got back into being relevant, basically Melbourne victory. But... 
you know, to, to get battered 4-1 like that in that second leg to Western United. Now, Western United, I know, were on their own kind of journey into becoming champions, but it's just, you know, it's just a question then. You know, there, there's... Yeah. yeah. To be honest with you, I don't think his legacy hinges on anything that happens in the A-League anymore because once you look back, he basically... A club was formed under his vision and you saw what happened after he left. He went to Perth, got them playing very well. You saw what happened after he left. You saw what mm, he walked mm. into Melbourne victory. You see what they are now. And I think where he's going, where his legacy is going to be decided is what he does outside this competition. Be it with, because as you said, he's failed in Turkey and in Greece. And it's probably not just him because they were both. I think, I think someone needs to yeah. advise him. I think someone yeah. needs to advise him better on the clubs he chooses. Because they were both pretty shocking circumstances. I can at least, uh, the Turkish one, I heard a few things, but the Greek mm. one, yeah, it's, Santi has had its own issues the last couple of years. What are you talking about, Antonis? All Greek clubs are run very smoothly. 100%. I know. As, as a Greek, I can absolutely guarantee that. It makes me feel proud of the A-League and the way the stuff's run here. But that's besides the point. But I think, yeah, his legacy is, okay, you're a great A-League coach, as Graham Arnold, like we can all agree Graham Arnold can run this league from most clubs. You know, he's a great A-League coach. Can, can, you, what... can you agree on that? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I told you that we had this chat before. I think Graham Arnold's a fantastic early coach. But what you do after that is where you're decided. And was a fantastic early coach. But really, what do we talk about these days? He got the Asian Cup with the Socceroos. He got us to World Cups. He won in Japan. He won in Scotland. When Andrew's legacy is all said and done, the A-League is just going to be in the footnotes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. Starting point. But... You talk about Popovich's A-League legacy. You can't have teams playing that well. You can't come into clubs and do that well and not eventually see success. I do think it'll be around the corner for Melbourne Victory, especially mm. at a club like Melbourne Victory, who is so accustomed to success. I can see, even if it's not this year, maybe next year, provided he doesn't end up in the soccer is, of course. Um, yeah, or he goes back to Greece. He end up winning a grand final. You never know some dodgy Balkan club might come calling. I got a Cyprus this time. Maybe like AEK Lanaka or something. Something like that. He should just go to Greece and take Jake Brimmer with him. Inside joke. <laughs> you should take him and, ja- him and Jake Brimmer at Pasjanina. Or yes. however you say it. Pasja Yanina. Yanina. Oh. There you go. Goals. You go. All right. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, Um. you know what? We're not going to take a break. Let's, uh, let's keep moving on. So, other big news during the week. A-League, A-League's fixtures released for next season, both A-League men and A-League women. The big thing was the big takeaway, A-League women, extended season. And I just wrote three words here. I think it's pretty sums it up. About fucking time. What do we think? I wholeheartedly share that sentiment. Good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I want to add a note on that. Don't stop now. Next stop is fully professional. And anytime you bring a club in from now on, you call it the A-Leagues. From now on, you don't enter as an A-League men's club. If you want to enter, you have a men's squad, you've got a women's squad. Yeah, yeah, it has yeah. to be a package now. You are hosting a World Cup. You've been given a World Cup. We're kicking and crying when Qatar stole a World Cup. You've got a World Cup now. You know, Show that you're actually serious about this. 
it's this is you've got it here. You know, you, we talk about the legacy of the World Cup. This is its legacy. Show us. I think the biggest takeaway as well, when it does become that full home and away season for the 2023-24 season, so following on from the Women's World Cup, the A-League Women's is going to become a 22-round season. Uh, I've got the number here, 1,980 match minutes for each club. That is the most that any women's club, or not equal most, but that's the most any women's league players around the world. It's equal with the Women's Super League. It's equal with the um, Div 1 Feminine in France. I'm going to, I'm going to, look, I'm just going to jump in for a second, right? Because I saw a post the other day or something from the A-League's Instagram account. It was like, you know, you know, oh, like, how great is this? You know, we're now playing the exact same minutes as all these leagues around the it world. In context, like I do know that. Huh? So I was actually just about to go into the context that you've got to put around that because we can sit here and say, yep, yeah, we're going to have right. the same as these um, world-class mm-hmm. leagues, but, and that's the key part, in Europe. So that WSL and um, D1 Feminine, they also play in the Champions League. Um, they have the League Cup, they have their National Cup. Yep. So you're getting a lot more minutes. You're also fighting for relegation in those competitions. There is a lot more to play for. So we do need to put it into context. Mm-hmm. But it is still a step in the right direction. I think that's yeah. what we we'll look at at the but moment. The, the, the other thing, thing sorry. Uh, yeah, the other th- sorry, Antonis, one sec. Yeah. Um, the other thing is we should be <laughs> having the same amount of minutes as the, the Matildas have been one of the, one of the more, um, no, maybe not successful because it hasn't really been... The amount of trophies, but one anything. No, but obviously uh, one of the better nations around the world. You know, very consistent for for many many years. So we should be. And I'm sorry, but th- these changes are way too late. So the other thing is, you want to just talk generally now, just about like games and the lack of games that we have here. You know, NPL competition. I tell you, NPLSA, Antonis, twenty two rounds. For a senior men's competition, it's like, what are you talking about? Okay, yeah, you got finals. It's like, I don't know, in Australia, just talking now generally with all the competitions, we just got this, you know, please put more games in the schedule. I just don't understand what you're holding back for. Like, you know. But we're so excited about a national second division now. And my question is, why now? Why not years ago? Mm. You know, but we go back and we the men's game, as we just said, is that far behind. It's even far more far behind for the women's game. Mm. I'm at the stage I'm very happy that this is happening, that we're getting this season finally. But I'm at a point, Fiona Wirtz got the Wonder Player of the Year in the league. I just want my Player of the Year not to work at McDonald's on her off time. Yeah. That's the first step, you know? It's very basic, but you need to get there first. And as you said, this is way overdue. It's a step in the right direction, but that's all it is. It's a step. And it means nothing unless you keep walking. But this is what, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about the Matildas at the moment. And obviously Matildas heavily beaten by Spain and then had the draw against Portugal as well. And certainly, certainly some question marks only Tony um, Gustafsson at the moment. But we're looking at their predicament at the moment. And I'm just wondering if this, these 14 game A-League woman seasons that we've had, and the lack of minutes from that and the fact that it's semi-professional and the lack of then the less training time that you have as a result of that and basically not being constantly touching the football and basically always being either training or playing every week during the season and just living and breathing it every week for these girls. And is that's now having an effect because in Europe, they are doing that. And back to, back to what you're saying... Like, okay, uh, 
top our first team, our first 20 or so players are playing in Europe now. But you saw now against Spain and Portugal, some of those players were on their breaks. Who was called up? All these girls from NPL competitions around the country were called up. And are you... And NPL, and NPL is even worse. Yeah. And, NPL, 18 yeah, rounds. Yeah. And are you seriously a country in that predicament that's about to host the Women's World Cup? Is that who you are? That you go walk into Spain, into their territory, and you bring the girl that's got a part-time job, who's a fantastic player, but is just not getting the opportunities. You fly in as a surprise to be a lamb in the slaughter against Spain. Is that really how we're doing football here? And that goes even further than that, that Tony G did not play those players in the Asian Cup group stages. Because he didn't feel it was the time. Oh, good, good. But, this is this is turning yeah. to the this is turning into the um Tony yeah. G Tony yeah, G shit on him section. I'm a big fan of our uh, national team coaches, as you yeah, know. yeah. I was just about to make that point. But you Fantastic. know, like you're in the Asian Cup, and you don't take it lightly. I understand, but it's the group stages against such. How much we've been Indonesia by? I was losing count. I'm like, this is a joke. Oh, yeah, know? I remember honestly. I remember watching that and being like, seriously, this is just like well, the whole on, time. I was like. Why are you unleashing these players on them? That's where you play those young girls, the next generation. And then you waltz into Spain against a side who, for me, are not even close to winning the World Cup. And you get absolutely done. It's uh, what's, what's the development that you're putting those I, I girls through? I want to go back for a sec. When you said a squad not close to winning the World Cup, are you talking about the Matildas or are you talking about Spain? No, uh, who I, They will challenge, but I don't think they're winning the World Cup. I think there's much better sides in Spain. Oh, I don't know. I, I think don't know. I, don't know about that one. I don't know. Have you seen Barcelona well, recently? And I've then, seen look, Barcelona, but Barcelona's not playing. Yeah, but it is, it is the majority of that side. And then you've got Madrid as well, who's also playing well in that league. And you've, there's a lot of side. For example, for me... Cody, 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 Dutch, just, Cody the, just write it down. Write it down. And Tonis doesn't think Spain are going to win the Women's World Cup. And then when they do, just you just going to in his face. Right. I'm happy to eat um, humble pie. But even if now, this is your argument that you're arguing that they probably will. Why are you playing or these young players? Why are you giving them their debut against those monsters that are about to com- compete in the Euros? It's the girls are in the MPL competitions around the country playing against fully professional players about to go into Euros, probably their biggest competition in their life so far. See, it's this not is apples and oranges. I'm really, really glad this has come up because yeah. this is something that I've really wanted to talk about, actually. Now, now oh, actually, actually, Cody, I'll... um. I'll plug this for you. So Cody's got an article hopefully coming up later this week, maybe next week, talking about this this A-League's Women extension as well. www.frontpagefootball.net. Cody, as you were speaking. Um, yeah, A-League Women's and a little bit on the Matildas last international break as well. But um, one thing I wanted to talk about because you do need to put some, that loss into context. Now, first of all, I am never going to, ba- to try and... How do I say it? Defend a coach after losing 7-0. Because there were clearly mistakes he made in that game. But if you're talking about why some of those players were called up, from what he said in his press conference, it looked like it was a massive debacle behind the scenes. When that friendly was agreed, he wa- he said he wanted to test our proper 4-3-3 with our best players against Spain's 4-3-3. That would have been a fantastic game. I would love to see Kerr Puteas on the same field in a national game. Mm. Apparently, it was the sports science and medical team that turned around a month out from the game and said, these girls need a break. You're going to need to call up different players. We played that game. It would make sense. It would make a lot more sense, wouldn't it? No, just quickly, Antonis. Yeah, you go. Oh, you go, you go. I'll go after you. When decisions are made like that, that's out of the coach's hands. We can't do much about it. 
what you can't defend is what happens on the pitch. He decided to play a 5-3-2 or a 5-4-1 against the team, the nation in the world, the country in the world. Everyone knows Spain's the best at holding on to the ball. You can play a low block against them all you want. They're going to find a way, even if it is smacking three goals in from 20, 30 metres out, because that's what happened. But the way we played that game, we had no no one trying to defend it between the lines. Gory did that very well against New Zealand. Why we didn't do that again, I don't know. But he played five players at the back, and he played one centre-back. That's the part that dumbfounded me the most, because we played a five at the back. We started, we had Paul Kinghorn as a dead centre-back. That One of our best centre-backs, that's perfectly fine. But then you have Charlie Grant, who's a right-back or midfielder at one, on for one centre-back, the right side of centre-back. Mm. Courtney Nevin, who's an attacking full-back at left centre-back. Mm. Courtney Vine at right wing-back. I'm not going to go any further than that because the next one's even worse. Tamika Yallop at left <laughs> wing-back, who is an out-and-out centre-mid. Yeah. How decisions are allowed to move, how decisions come about like that, I don't know. But on top of that, you have Gori and I think it was Van Egmont that was playing the two centre-mid roles. And the problem is because we had no one sweeping, um, playing in between our midfield and defensive line, Puteas, who is the best female player on, on the planet, some would argue Sam Kerr, but Puteas is technical Vivian Miedema. on a football on a women's football player before. Get out of here with the Arsenal stuff, man. Mountains of space in between our midfield and defensive line. How uh, that part is something that I'm not very happy about. But then on top of that. We could have easily played a 4-3 there. There was nothing stopping him. We had two centre-backs in that side. He had Matilda McNamara and Winona Heatley. Well, that, that was he the one, easily, yeah. That was we the could one have that, easily yeah. put in, and he didn't give him a go. I'm sure, Antonis, you'll be saying Matilda McNamara should have been given a go. Yeah. You would have pushed her out yeah. Yeah. She played well. And not just that, even if you don't trust those players, there is a very, very good centre-back in the elite women's who maybe didn't get caught up because I'm not sure where she's playing at in the NPL right now. But in Emma Checker, Emma Checker for me should be our third-choice centre-back. She was good enough to play in Europe not too long ago. She was the best centre-back in the um, ALW in the season just gone. Why she is in the squad, I don't know. That is something that really grinds my gears. And on top of that, he has said time and time again. I know. I've never, I tell you, I've never seen Cody like this. This is like he is in full. He is in full Antonis Graham um, Arnold mode. This is what it, <laughs> I'm not done as well. That's a sad part. On top of that, he has said he wants his players playing in Europe, playing consistent football. And the ones that end up on the field... Oh, Jacinta. The, the Jacinta. Jacinta. What the hell's going on there? That's what I was just about to say. Jacinta oh, Galavadachi, oh. if you're playing a second string side, she should be the first name on that team sheet. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. She has been fantastic for Celtic. I know Celtic's not the same reputation as they have in the men's game. But it only takes just to watch a couple highlight videos of her. The technical ability that she has is astounding. And she will offer something completely different to any other attacker that we have in Australia. And the fact that we haven't kept her yet is disgusting. And can I lay you up here for a layup? Did he not say like less than half a year ago that if you want to be in my squad, don't play in A-League Women's, go play in Europe? That's exactly what it's reverse, I'm It's reverse psychology. It's reverse psychology. And the worst part about it is he then went and called up Larissa Kramer, who, yeah, sure, four years ago, she was great Matilda striker. Look like one of the better young things, better young players coming through. Yeah, injury didn't, um, injuries held her down. She's back in the early women's. She started scoring goals towards the end of the season, but she is nowhere near ready to come back into the midfield squad. And it proved in that game, in both those games. And when you're bringing in a player like her and you're leaving Chelsea Dorby in Clubland, who mm-hmm. scored 10 goals in the last eight league season, has got to move to the NWSL. 
and she still hasn't made the squad, that's the perfect play you bring. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how Chelsea hasn't. Yeah. Um, can I just go back to the whole um, club scientist stuff, the sports science stuff? Sorry. And a great point. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a teacher, I'm not a sports scientist. So I can't make a point here. But if you remember, we played against New Zealand very shortly after the season finished. And who played in that game? All oh, our first team players. Okay, which well, is look, maybe if they yeah. maybe if they had a bit of forward thinking. Well, go it there. Been maybe some of our because because that Spain game and Portugal game was agreed more than a year ago. You knew it was happening. It wasn't. You don't just wake up one day and say, "Oh, let's fight to Spain and play them." It takes a lot of planning. And Spain wanted good position going into Euros. We didn't give them that, but you knew it was coming. Why did you play? your best side against New Zealand, maybe because it was at home and you want people to come and see the new shiny Matildas that you all love, we shouldn't be supporting just the players. You support your country. country. You know, people will come for Australia and New Zealand. Why they played them here, for me, it's all commercial. Nothing to do with the pitch, nothing to do with World Cup preparations. It's to get people go and scream, oh, Sam Kerr is playing. That's fantastic. That's what it is. But the and thing is, got... the Matildas have that <laughs> reputation where they could have... Brought, exactly. People will still come. People be Taylor Ray, Courtney Vine, and people will still come up to see him because they're playing the A-League women's. People are still familiar with them. People exactly. Still, it'll be a thing of, oh, my God, these players in the A-League women's are about to make their Matilda's debut. And let's be so, serious. Oh, that's a PR exercise in itself. We could have easily done that here. Yeah. And let's be serious. Team sheets come out an hour before the game, you know, not a month before when you're buying tickets. People had their tickets already. People knew. And then you go to Spain. You were a year out of the World Cup. You should be settling your side now, not calling every random that has an Australian passport to play a game. You know, you're playing Spain. Spain. You know, play your best players. If you gave them the break over there against New Zealand, then they wouldn't be overloaded. That's forward planning. It's just, it just astounds me that we use this as a cop-out when... It's, it was not a surprise. It was there. You knew it was coming and you decided to go into it like that. Yeah, look, I just want to be careful here because I'm not going to backtrack by saying this. What I've just said before is not a complete attack on saying that Tony shouldn't be the Minnesota squad personally and I don't care if people come at me for this. No, I don't, 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 don't go back. You're in the zone now. You, you've, reached, you've reached the raging podcast level. It's good. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, reason, yeah, go on. There is a reason why. Personally, I saw from the, I'm going back to the Olympics. We played good football at the Olympics. We played really well and we got good results. That's the best we've ever, we've ever finished at. at did, did we, did we play that well? Did we play that well? I personally enjoyed it. We Look, thrived we in chaos. We Britain by accident as well. It's not something that. <laughs> we did, I reckon. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think so. I thought we actually did pretty well. But, and as much as I am in favour of Tony staying on, He's not above criticism. The decisions he made in the Spain game, he got completely wrong. As a supporter of him, I'm willing to take that on. I'm willing to take that on my back. I'm willing to call him out for it. In the Portugal game, we switched to a 4-3-3. We looked a lot better. It was shaky for the first 30 minutes, but we looked a lot better. But what I'm seeing from him, and it's crack starting to form as well, there seems to be a lack of trust in some of those fringe players. And it seems that when he does get to those big games, he starts overthinking things. Why he thought five of the back against Spain was a good idea, I don't know. Yeah. So, look, I will say I'm in the Tony boat, but I do have one eye sitting there going, am I better off jumping out? I'll go 
like I'm not sacking a coach after a friendly game, you know. And like, well, you're not you're not whole girl sick. This thing, you're not you're no. not you're not giving this the whole girl sick treatment. No, right. but like I told you with Arnold, you know, it's a, I know it's controversial, but I am critical. Of I think I, you know you know you know. You know? This is, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna actually keep a record of how many like what what how many consecutive podcasts Graham Arnold's name gets mentioned. But, in. You know, uh, you know, I'm critical of him, but if you remember in the last podcast, I told you I'm glad they kept him on because you appoint him, you mm. hire him for a cycle, you need to back it. You know, it's unless something tragically goes wrong, which isn't losing a friendly game, you need to back him in a cycle. You chose his vision, you need to back him, and you do not sack a coach. When's the next time we're going to host a World Cup? Are we really going to sack the coach a year less than a year before the World? No, you're not going to sack. But, you know, it, it takes time. You said he doesn't trust his fringe players. Well, he's had time to build that trust. He's decided not to use that time to build that trust. You make your bed, you have to lay in it. And his bed is not great right now. And look, yeah, that's really bit... messy. It's really messy. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm first to admit it is a messy bed at the moment as well. But like you said, you make your bed, you lay in it. We, set, we let him go through it till the end of the World Cup cycle. You've got to. And the main reason why I am saying that is because it seems the players have bought into his vision. You don't see uh, it, when the Matildas are out there, especially our first-team players, they're back on what he's saying. They're trying to do what he's saying. It does. I Personally, I can see the possession style of play that he's trying to introduce. Some people have questioned whether we're actually playing any style of football. That's something that I probably don't agree with. My, just, my negative thoughts towards him more come around personnel selection and formation, not necessarily style of play, but there's valid criticisms. There are valid criticisms against him right now, pardon my mispronunciation. And if it's stuff that he doesn't address, we're going to have real leg on our faces on in a World Cup on home soil. And that is not something that I want to see. But isn't this, doesn't this just mirror the Socceroos? That yes, we have the players, but you don't have someone to use them. Uh, a bit more cattle farm talk, isn't it? And look, you know, yeah, go go uh, go check out that one as well. Um, what was the what was the headline again, Antonis? It's it's uh, not the it's not, not the, the cattle, cattle, it's the farm. farm. It's not the cattle, it's the farm. Article earlier this week on uh, frontpagefootball.net. But you're talking also this women's World Cup and screwing it up. It's not just Tony. Like we can talk about the mistakes that Tony's making at a game level, but the issues behind the scenes that I mentioned before. That's an FA level. That's someone's not planning for this international window and going. And a month out from we're going, oh, these players aren't going to be available to play. They need a rest. And suddenly Tony's sitting there going, okay, now you're going to make me go to, to Spain, to Portugal, two European sides that are about to go into tournament mode. And you're going to make me bring a second string squad there. I, I reckon he wouldn't be happy either. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, um, you're, setting, you're almost setting him up for failure too. As much as we consider and disagree about his decision, you're setting him up for failure by doing that. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not good at the moment for the Matildas. Hopefully, it will get better. And um, one well, last thing, um, yeah. that Canada game is going to be very important. They're back on home soil. We should be having our best players. Mm. Absolutely, it may be a, a good sign. We we need a positive result in that game just to keep, kind of keep some sort of faith mm. in fans. We're playing the team that just won the Olympics. You're not talking about some second string side that. We should be snacking around. It will be a competitive game. If we can get a result in that game, I think that will alleviate some doubt in people's mind. But we need to come out firing in that game. We need to do well. Absolutely. And we need our best players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one last thing. We'll uh, we'll give our own congratulations to Mary Fowler. 
Um, fantastic. Fantastic, yeah, to see her sign for Man City. And we'll finish on a positive note because that was getting way too heated. Well, I think we, my, we my, my laptop was about to explode, man. Sir? My laptop was about to explode. You, you were like, <laughs> it was, you and Antonis were like both like just, and I'm just sitting here like, whoa, this is like intense. Well, look, since that Spain game, it has been positive news in the women's sphere. We've got the extension in the league women's, which from what I can say, as much as there's still issues that need to be addressed, it's a show of faith in the APL that they're ready to kind of kick on with the women's game and give it the support that it needs. We can talk all day about what needs to be addressed still, but I think we do need to give credit where credit's due. We're making those steps now. Whether it's too late or not, I'd rather it be too late than never at all. And I'll take another step. Well done on that APL and keep taking steps. Do not go with a Champions League format for the second division. Please, I beg to any God that's willing to listen. Oh, boy. All right. All right. I think uh, I think we need a break. <laughs> we need a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Australia Cup round of 32 draw. Okay, so the Australia Cup round of 32 draw last night. Big event. I was actually I was actually pretty impressed with the like the live reaction stuff of of the teams I reacting. I really like like the Davenport one in particular. That was pretty cool, even though it was like, no disrespect to Wellington, but it's like, it, you know, if you if you if you drew like Melbourne Victory at home, then then I would really understand that reaction. Then it would have been like, oh my god, yeah. But um, I still. think it's still the opportunity to test yourself against A League opposition. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. No, I'm just being, I'm just being a negative, <laughs> just a negative dickhead. Um, but anyway, the <laughs> yeah, it's just what I do. But um, yeah, no, some other some other great stuff. Mobbery Jets, um. Just, just that where, of course, me and Antonis are, which is a really great story. State League, State League One, Second Division, by far the biggest game in their history, going up against Armadale away from home. Um, and then we got three All A League ties as well. One of them is for me the tie that stands out: Western United and Melbourne Victory for sure uh, amongst those ones. It'll be an interesting one because Western United have had a very, very slow start to the transfer window. They haven't really released a lot of players, but there doesn't look like there's... Well, there hasn't been any talk of anyone coming in just yet, but mm. it'll be interesting to see how they line up. Um, one thing I really hope from this game, personally, we see a lot of, at this stage of the competition, teams kind of just give the youth players a chance, maybe the French players, see how they go. I'd love for these two teams to put on at least mm. near first 11s and really try and make a game of this, play it at a community ground, get a real nice loud crowd close to the field and put on a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, agree. Can I, the one that got my eye from the A-League ties, obviously the Western United victory game is huge. I was at that semi-final, the second league, and that was, I was so full on, so I'd love to see another one of those. Mm-hmm. But Sydney FC Central Coast. Yeah, yeah. I think Central Coast does them. And you know what, like the right. We were just we were just talking, of course, earlier in the podcast about the Sydney rebuild. What if it starts with a loss at home to the Mariners? Well, I reckon it does. I reckon I think Central Coast, um, the full movement hasn't been completed yet, but just as a squad, no individuals, just as a squad and how they work, they're much better and nice and early before the squads come together. Players start fitting into positions. They learn how to play together. It's very important. That cohesion is very important. So I, don't, I wouldn't even stay and start the, uh, the Mariners as underdogs. I'd probably start them as favourites. 
they probably won't start that way. But in my mind, I'd be backing them to win that. Well, we were saying before, Sydney FC, have, besides the youth players they've brought up and the re-signings, they haven't brought anyone new mm-hmm. in. So you've got 14 players that have gone out the door. Some are first-team players. You Even if you're playing this full-strength exercise, there's not really much to go with. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of the other interesting NPL A-League ties. So Heidelberg hosting Brisbane is an interesting one for me. You've also got, this will be an interesting one to see, I guess, the level of the Northern New South Wales NPL. You've got Newcastle Olympic hosting Melbourne City, which will be interesting. I think a lot of people, um, I know there's been, there were some murmurs in the past about the Northern New South Wales NPL and, and potentially being in a precarious situation. But I think a lot of people think it's a pretty solid NPL competition um, kind of behind Vic, New South Wales, SA and, and Queensland. So it'd be interesting to see one of the better teams in that in that uh, league and see how they go as well. Bentley and Broadmeadow Magic is another interesting one in terms of all NPL um, ties. And Newcastle Adelaide as well is the other all all uh, A-League tie. Antonis, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, Newcastle well, and Adelaide, yeah. It's the third time those two sides have played FFA or Australia Cup games against each other. Both have finished 1-0 Adelaide's way. But I reckon this is the most promising Newcastle side United would have faced in this competition. And is this sorry, is this the Newcastle Jets or Wellington Phoenix? That... I'm talking um Adelaide United, Newcastle Jets. Oh no, you just you just missed a joke. Don't you get it? Huh? Because Newcastle are basically just raiding Wellington at the moment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. <laughs> it is late. But, it is late. Yeah, and, but yeah, with them, you know. Like we said before, with the squad, they've got something promising building with Arthur Pappas, in my opinion. But who knows, you know, you'd rather play them early than late after they start building the squad and getting cohesive. So that would be a tight match. The other one I am really looking forward to, other than the South Australian matches, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, is Davenport against Wellington. Mm. That's a huge day out for the Mm. Tasmanian club, you know. Getting filling up your ground, getting an A League side down, seeing how you stack up. It's a very nice story. And that's what it's all about getting to that stage and having that potential of getting an A League club coming down and visiting and seeing can we be the next cup set, you know, as we call it. Yeah. And then we've got some other really um, interesting stories. So, Mindel Aces FC, the only team in this competition from the Northern Territory. And they will be hosting Avondale as well. And also Wollongong United, who, like Mobbury Jets here in South Australia, are an association club. And they'll be hosting Green Gully as well. So, yeah. One thing a lot about of, Wollongong United, yeah. this is, that's a game that I'm very, very much looking forward to, mm, actually. Mm. Um, so they play in the Illawarra Premier League. The funny thing is, they're currently fifth in that competition. And you're also talking, it's an association competition, there's still four tiers of State League football above them. A bit of context needs is needed in that regard. They do have five games in hand on first place um, and three or four on the other teams above them. But the Illawarra Premier League, everyone in Sydney knows the standard that these guys are at. It's not your average association. Premier I know. You, yeah, you were just... Was it, was it last week or last 
I don't know if I ever said it on air. I think I might have just said it quietly to you. Yeah, I I think we were talking off air, yeah, um, with Ian as well, just talking about the the Illawarra Premier League. Yeah, you you were saying it's a... Very, very high standard of football. Um, Mm. I do think they actually had the money to pay players in that association competition. Mm. But um, this is a good chance for that region to show, hey, look, we're not just Wollongong Wolves. We've got this massive, hot, better talent just in our association playing playing club football. And we're going to go and we're going to take a game to... Green Gully, who isn't exactly a small club in terms of NPL sides. Yeah. They've they made a semi-final they, recently, they haven't they? They beat Wellington Phoenix, was it, or Mariners? Um, they beat one of them in the um, cup. In I, the th- I actually think they beat... Uh, didn't they beat both in separate years? Maybe, yeah. Well, honestly, be. yeah. Um, with Bradley Green's, um, my memory is kind of fading at me at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah. you're talking, they've been on the right end of some cup sets in the past. I'm going to go out on a whim here. I'm going to say they're going to be on the wrong end of this one. I actually see Wollongong United taking this game. Well, what's what's going on then with the Wollongong, the Wollongong United, Wollongong Wolves power shift? Because the Wollongong Wolves are not in the round of 32. So well, it's amazing. The Wollongong Wolves aren't there, but the association that they sometimes pull players, the club from the association that they can that they usually pull players from are. Yeah, it's, it's a very very funny story. But it's um, the Adelaide United Melbourne City dynamic, isn't it? But um, yeah, kind of. Um, Wollongong Wolves, they do tend to pull players from their local association and they go slot straight into NPL football and they don't look out of place. That's mm. It just shows the strength that they have in this league. It's Everyone in Sydney knows the strength that this league has and their path to their cup as well. They knocked off Blacktown City, who is a massive club themselves, and they've, they only played one or two other association clubs. I can't think of the other type of teams that they knocked off the, off the top of my head. The club they beat to make the Australia Cup was St. George FA, who are slotted right in between Wanderers and Mariners youth teams in MPL 2, fighting for promotion to um, MPL 1, sorry, mm-hmm. New South Wales Football League 1, just been renamed to. But um, they've knocked off some massive clubs on their road to the Australia Cup. I reckon they keep going until they come up against their league opposition. And even then, I'd love to see that. They have, um, from memory, I'm pretty sure, I know Justin Passfield was at the club recently. can't remember if he's still there, former Mariners keeper. There's quality in that competition. There's quality in that club. And I think they want to watch in this Australia Cup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, sorry, I was just looking up Passfield there. Um, says he last played for the Wollongong Wolves. So Is that Wikipedia though? Yeah, so that's just not true. So, um, yeah. Any, 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 uh, any, just journalism one hundred and one. Never just take anything for for um gospel from um Wikipedia. Anyway, um, the what I was going to talk. Oh yeah, Antonis, I'm disappointed that the Mobbridge Jets are not going to host a game at Smith Partners Stadium. I know, I know, same. And I was really hoping. Like, that would be sorry, the case. they actually they actually wouldn't have hosted the game at Smith yeah, Partners yeah. Stadium. They would have played it on a different ground. But anyway. yeah, because they're still doing the developments there. But, you know, like we say that they're a state league club, but we have to take into context that it they're recently a state league club. They yeah. recruited the they, NPL player of yeah, the year yeah. last Look, year. They've mm. got some firepower. Yeah. And, they, um, yeah. If you ask a lot of people around the NPL, Mobbury are better than Bacala. They're better than Cumber. You know, they yeah. are... They're basically the 13th NPL club right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But it's interesting that West Adelaide has gotten their you-know-what together and is making some ground on them, and they're playing each other 
this weekend. But, so we, uh, but if West Adelaide got their stadium together, that's the real question. Oh, no, no, that's that one thing that, yeah, I hope in my life. But, this is, this know, section here is just for the local SA uh, football nah, listeners. Nah, don't like even this. forget about that. But yeah, um, I don't know much about Armadale, but I'd say South Australian football yeah. is, or oh, the local football, I'd probably classify just above the Western Australian football, in my yeah, yeah. opinion. So I don't know. I, don't, I think the Modbury Jets can give them a fair run. And I'd be backing them to get a win and hopefully hosting a game in South Australia next. But I'm very glad Adelaide City gets to host the game. So we have a game in South Australia. Yeah, that'll be interesting, that one. We'll see whether um, Adelaide City play at home at Oakton or they... State Centre. Yeah, or they play at the State Centre or even Martin, um, mm-hmm. like they did against Melbourne Victory that time as well. But um, the... The, oh, yeah, Armadale. Um, well, I'll tell you what I do know about Armadale is that they were Trent Sainsbury's um, junior club uh, because I think Daniel Rebreen said about four times on the, uh, on the draw. Chime in with that. Basically, if you're a Paramount pundit and I'm, like, watching you, then just be careful because most likely I'm, like, going to take something that you say and just use that as a joke on one of these podcasts. Just <laughs> sorry. All right. It's just it's what's happening. So, uh, but, yeah. Uh, anything else to add in regards to to this draw? Really, I'm, I'm just kind of looking forward to the round of 16 and seeing, you know, what, what we're going to be left in with that because mm-hmm. then I think that's when things will spice up. I'll just add with Adelaide City, I'm very glad that I reckon that Logan Lightning, I reckon Adelaide City wins that. And I think were, they'll be favourites, yeah. yeah. And I think last year they were very unlucky against yeah. victory. For me, they should have won that game. You don't want to be you don't want to be an A-League opposition coming up against Adelaide City because I are they are so well positioned for this national second division business and it's not funny. Yeah, look, so, I got, I got me, a me and a, yeah, yeah, Cody, you, yeah, um, South Australians. Mm. Uh, what can we expect from Kirko in this game and this competition? Well, um, hopefully, hopefully we can expect him to you know put up you know just put on a show like like he has been doing in the APL. Um but I think the person that we want to talk about here because me and Antonis are, are big fans is is Paul Pezos, the oh. late city coach. <laughs> Can I just say because Antonis is just like he's like he's just oh he's just frothing at the mouth over this guy. He <laughs> yeah. loves it. The national second division is like if you had a person in mind for it. That's who it's for. For people like him that for some reason are still in MPL land, these are the people like Kirker as well that deserve a chance to be in front of a national audience. He is just like you. We are in South Australia. Watch it's Paul Pezos, then the others. You know, there's the gap is ridiculous. He is a ridiculously good coach. Players want to play for him. And you see when City inevitably makes that second division because I don't see any other South Australian side making it. You'll see players flocking to City, in my opinion, that want to play for him and for that competition. Well, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting just with Adelaide City um, to see some of these guys. So, Ayumba Jock um, and even someone like a Matthew Halliday. So, some of these guys who I think many in football circles here in South Australia have considered to be, I guess, in between that kind of MPOA league standard. So, basically to see these guys on a national stage again and see how they're going to play, how they're going to go uh, against, against hopefully A-League opposition. I would really like to see 
uh, Adelaide City come up against an A-League opposition if they mm-hmm. are to get past uh, this first Absolutely. match. Absolutely. I reckon they're overdue for that. And I reckon they're itching for it as well after last year. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, uh, anything to add? Um, well, not on the Adelaide City stuff, but if I'm going to pick an upset um, for an A-League club in this draw, I've got an odd one as well. I'm picking whoever wins out of that Edge Hill and um, Magpie Crusaders game. I can see them really taking a game to MacArthur. You're going to have, I'm not sure, I can't remember off the top of my head. Dwight, so Dwight, you're one for the season already. Have they made that? any signs yet, MacArthur? I can't think um, of my head. No, no, Bruce, not not as yet. That, but um, obviously that obviously that's a new coach in in Dwight York, and Dwight York could be playing the Magpie Crusaders away in his first game here. Dwight York maybe to actually be playing. We we need to we need to we need to have a look at some of these NPL clubs' names. I mean, Magpie Crusaders. Like, that's what's, like are, are you either you're the Magpies or the Crusaders? You can't be both. We Melbourne City played City United Football Club in the Asian Champions League. You can be whatever you want. An aneurysm just listening to that. <laughs> Believe City, in your dreams. City United Football Club. It's like you know when you want both City United, 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 United yeah. City. Oh, who cares? <laughs> when you want all the nicknames, but you can't pick which one, so you just become United nickname as City. Brilliant. No, the, I love um, it. You're talking MacArthur's going to either be going up north to Cairns or a little bit south, mm. if you can call it south, to Mackay. Mm. Dwight York's going to rock up there and go, okay, this is very, very different to what I'm used to back in England. And I think it will just be and then it's, and then familiarity. I can see Mackay or Ed Shill taking advantage of that. And Ed Shill, you've got to take into consideration as well. They're in the fifth tier of Australian football. They're very, very low in the Queensland pyramid. Mm. That would be probably one of the upsets in Australian Cup history, not just taking the modern era of the mm. FFA Australia Cup, but going back to the old days of the Australia Cup. I can't see yeah. games that would have occurred with a fifth tier team beating a first tier team, even if there wasn't a technical national yeah, pyramid. Yeah, yeah. And let's just take into consideration that Dwight needs to get used to the ringing of those awful cowbells first. Yeah, well, so what's, what's, that. what's going on with the tickets there? Is is MacArthur charging $60 for away tickets for that game? <laughs> well, look, yeah, hopefully the NBL clubs are in charge of prices, but um, no, look, I hope MacArthur get a few fans yeah. out there. I think it'll be good for yeah. the club. Just don't question them about it or they're going to block you. <laughs> yeah, look, um, how they run those, how they... Speaking from experience. A bit different. Are you blocked by MacArthur? I am blocked by MacArthur for Jesus. asking why they're charging 40 bucks for a kid's ticket and providing a picture to support my point. But, Look, have oh, you no. guys ever been to a MacArthur home game? Unfortunately. No, not I've not. My favorite footballing not. experience, but... Um... <laughs> Look, it was definitely something different. I'll say that much. Yeah, it, it I don't happened. want to it's, MacArthur. At the end of the day... It's a thing that happened, yeah. Antonis, what, what are you doing? You're straining the FPF relationship with MacArthur. Well, they strained it with me first. Well, look, can I, uh, <laughs> let me just come in and rescue. My personal view on MacArthur is at the end of the day, they're a football club in Australia. I don't want to talk down on someone just because I don't like them. There's things I disagree with in that club, but at the end of the day, they're part of the A-League, they're a football club. They're putting on for the sport. All the best all, all, to them. I'm happy to yeah. see them do what they do. All the best to them, but you just need to be a bit self-aware of your situation. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> I think the ticket prices are something that really does need addressing because at the end of the day, I do recall it was um the the chairman of the club. I'm pretty sure he came out and said. Uh, Jin, Jin Amara. 
Gina Mara, yeah. yeah. He came out and said the reason why they were so high is because he believed people in the area could be able to afford it because the media... You're a club high. that's been around for two years. Yeah. No, I, 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 know, I, know, I know what you're talking about with like the living situation stuff. That was so bullshit. But anyway... Um, uh, I'll when... explain a bit of context. But for people next week. Next week's problem. <laughs> um, we're talking $50 for a ticket. They're I'll give him credit. The price is 1.1, 1.2. I'll yeah. give them credit. Oh, Sydney. That yeah. is cheap. Yeah. That is not that is not a expensive price in Sydney. And anyone that's listening in Sydney would be able to share that sentiment with me. Yeah. Yeah. Late in the season, they started doing some things like letting kids in free and things like that, which is what you need fantastic. to do as a new club. And you see Western United, for all the stuff that gets hung on them, they've done so much of that stuff. You need to be, as a new club, in such a tough environment post-COVID, Trying to build a fan base, you just need to be self-aware and proactive. Is what I've got to say. But that's just that. And yeah, just no, that as well. Yeah, yeah. You talk, we mentioned before. Um, oh, I mentioned before. I'd rather something happen late than happen never. And yeah. I'm glad oh, they did those things. It probably was a little bit too little, too late. People already have this mindset on what Macarthur is and how they operate, and that probably is going to take some time before they get rid of that um, reputation on themselves. But if they keep doing stuff like that. There are a lot of people in the Campbelltown, Camden, Wollandilly region that are interested in football. And if they can take further steps, I know they've done some community engagement stuff. They do a fair bit of community engagement stuff, actually. But if they can step up that and when they're doing that stuff, they go, hey, by the way, this is how you buy tickets to our game. Or, hey, we've got this um, promotion going for the for our games coming up at the start of the season. If you can do stuff like that, absolutely, you can see some very strong squad, very strong by their standards crowds to start the season. You're talking maybe if they can hit that 5K, 6K region for a club like them, I think that'd be a perfect Small time. steps, small steps. Small That's steps, all. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, we're, uh, we're getting off topic and uh, I have yawned about five times in the last half an hour. So I am going to bring it to a now. close there. Um, yeah. So, wow, that was a fucking, wow. Big podcast. We just went through a lot of stuff there. Off season. Off season, man. We are <laughs> we are just grinding out on the FPF grind in the off season. Still uh just getting these podcasts up and uh, hopefully what, I don't remember an off season like this in Australian football history where there was so much to talk about. It's so good you know, I know, like, it's, it's, it's been a big week. And you know, it's going to get busier the next year. You know, we how we're playing in the World Cup, we're hosting a World Cup, it's Asian Cup next second season. division. Home and away women's season. So lots coming. Get it right. Let's get it right. You know? Yeah, Come yeah, on. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully we'll be back recording another podcast on Sunday night, maybe. If I can be fucked. Um <laughs> otherwise we'll return next Thursday night. Probably. Enthusiasm from um the ed- chief editor of Front Page Football. <laughs> yeah, look, um it comes and goes. Um, but uh, you know, hey, hey, I've been I've been doing my work here. I've been getting getting some articles up, getting That's these it. podcasts up, I've been doing my thing. So don't worry. Don't worry, man. It's all good. Yeah. Big moves coming. Yeah. Big moves on bench football. Yeah, absolutely. We are massive. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll <laughs> wrap it up there uh, because now we're just getting silly. And um, yeah, so we'll be back maybe on Sunday night. We'll see. Um, if you haven't already, go back. Have a listen to our other podcast. Some great stuff there. Last week, we had a centenary pod. Me and Cody were on there. Matt Olson and the stats genius, stats whiz himself, Andrew Howe, talking on there as well. So, yeah, it was a great podcast. Go and have that listen. 
go and give that a listen. Sorry. And uh, Jesus. And uh, we also had we also had a bunch of articles go up on the site this week as well. That's www.frontpagefootball.net. You can catch some coverage. We've had some wash-up stuff from the Socceroos, from actually Cody and Antonis, who are both with me. Cody's had an article come up about the Mariners this week as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot going on. Cody, you've got that uh, Matilda's, some Matilda stuff coming up and then some A-League Women stuff as well, yeah? Yep. Um, hopefully, well, not hopefully the article will be a lot more cohesive than my rant previously. So, no, it, it, it was, it was, co- it was extremely cohesive. Antonis is, saying, Antonis is saying to you right now, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> Join me. And, and what about you, Antonis? Got anything in the works? Uh, I would tell it's the end of the school <laughs> term as a teacher. Things will come. We'll just have to wait and see. But yes, I hope so. <laughs> All right. No worries. Uh, yeah. So we'll be back as for now. We'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next one.